Welcome to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. Now, let's meet our hosts. Hello, I'm Dana Crawford. And I'm Wayne Jordan. In today's episode number 29 of Flip It or Skip It, we're going to be talking about Bakelite. Ooh, Bakelite. I like Bakelite. It's one of my favorite collectibles. I have a a nice Bakelite adorned coffee serving set uh, that's Art Deco. We've had it for years. It's, It's chrome, so it's bright and shiny, and it has Bakelite handles and uh, the top of the lid of the coffee server has a Bakelite knob on it. It has a coffee creamer and a sugar bowl that are chrome with Bakelite handles, and it's all on a chrome tray. I love it. Oh, that sounds beautiful. It is. I really like that piece. I don't, we don't, of course, we don't use it to serve coffee. It's just, <laughs> you know, one more thing in the house that we have to dust, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's pretty to look at. So I, I like that. But I like Bakelite. Interesting product, interesting history. And it's still pretty controversial about what you can and can't do with Bakelite. Uh, there are some people who are, are Bakelite fanatics, and there are others uh, who swear that it's dangerous and you shouldn't wear it. And have you ever heard of that? Yes, actually I I have. And there's people that put out warnings that they don't recommend that you wear it because of hazardous material. And in my opinion, it was like, okay, you're going to wear a bracelet for a couple hours to a party. It's not like, Mm -hmm. I've never heard of anybody dying from wearing a bracelet. Yeah, that's, those statements are, are completely misplaced. It is true that they stopped the manufacture of Bakelite because it was dangerous. But it wasn't the substance itself that was dangerous. It was the manufacturing process because it's got formaldehyde and chemicals and powder and and, and fumes, that sort of thing that, that are generated in the manufacturing process that people breathe in. And just like in dealing with asbestos a lot, uh, breathing it in, you can get mesothelioma, if that's mm-hmm. how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the manufacturing process. One of the nice things about Bakelite and one of the things that made it so usable was that it was a completely stable product. It was completely stable uh, once it was it, once it was hardened. So it does develop a patina and show signs of aging and wear and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. But it's not like it's made out of radioactive material. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some antiques where the colors that are used and the chemicals that are used uh, glow in the dark lights, uh, clocks, that sort of thing. That's those are radioactive, and and you should treat those with caution, but it's not like you're going to put on a Bakelite bracelet and be dead a week later. That's nonsense. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. I know um, before the show, I was talking to my husband and he asked me what the topic was and I told him and the first thing that came to his mind was the smell of Bakelite burning (laughs) right? because of, um, he said his, his granny had a tea kettle and 
when it was on the stove and it had the Bakelite handle and it mm-hmm. burned mm-hmm. and he'll never forget that smell. Did he describe it? No, he didn't. He just said it was a horrible. Well, it, it's not pleasant. I mean, one, one of the things in analyzing vintage Bakelite, uh, there are several ways to determine if it's authentic or not. One of the ways to do it is to heat it. And you can run it, run an edge of a bracelet or, or some thin part under hot water, mm-hmm. uh, or you can rub it real hard with your hand. I've heard of people taking those pocket warming things that you, you break and they create heat and they'll put it on it. But one of the things in the, uh, that's used in the process of making Bakelite was formaldehyde. Formaldehyde just stinks. I mean, it's got a very strong odor to it. And when you rub a piece of vintage Bakelite, if you don't recognize the the formaldehyde smell, then it will have a very strong solvent smell, like turpentine or varnish or something. Mm-hmm. It'll sound. It'll smell very. Have a very strong chemical smell to it. Um, we just did the treasure hunt in Atlanta with um, Worth Point, and there was a lady there that had a booth. If you ever go into the Scott's Antique Market in Atlanta, in the South Building, she's all the way in the back. And she has a, a spot where she's a regular there. And all she sells is jewelry and perfume and different things of that nature. But she had a lot of Bakelite. And mm-hmm. she was pretty much uh, an expert. But what I liked about talking with her was she was willing to bulk her bracelets and Mm -hmm. make a nice assortment for anyone that would be interested in starting maybe a business or or to buy wholesale because Mm -hmm. she's already identified them all. And I thought that was a nice um, perk to be able to find someone like that. It is. But it was interesting, while we were there, we started researching on WorthPoint, looking up different bracelets, and it seemed like the octagon or the carved bracelets were selling for more money than the Mm -hmm. common thin bracelets, But Mm -hmm. or the the bulky. Years ago, I can remember red being the hot color in Bakelite, and it was like everywhere you went, you were looking for red because they were selling for so much. And now it seems more like green seems to be popular. So what tricks did you learn about identifying genuine Bakelite? Well, back in the day when I started learning about Bakelite, I researched it and someone told me about um, using 409 cleaner Mm -hmm. and to put it on a Q-tip and rub, you know, rub it. And if it turned yellow, then it would be... Bakelite, and if it most of the time it would just turn dirty, which meant right. I was just taking dirt off of the item. Right. If what turned yellow? The Q tip? The Q tip. Right, right. With 409 cleaner. Correct. Yeah, I've I've heard uh, about several different ways of, of doing that trick with the Q tip and seeing if it turns uh, yellow. And everyone agrees that 409 is the best way to do it because okay. everything else you kind of run the the risk of possible damage to the the bakelite if it's left on not cleaned off. Of course, you can always clean it off with with universal solvent because it's readily available. 
Uh, it does a great job. It works on lots of different surfaces. And and uh, you're familiar with uh, universal solvent, right? You put some on a, on a tissue and rub it on and... No. You're, you're you're looking at me with a confused look. No, I've never heard of a universal solvent. Is yeah, that? it yeah, it's spit. You spit on a <laughs> tissue. <laughs> oh no! And rub it no, on. No. It works great. Oh, <laughs> Cleans glass. Oh. <laughs> Gets little dirt things off your face. It's great stuff. <laughs> no, I'm picturing a bottle that says universal solvent. I'm picturing. No, I don't think I've seen that. Yeah, I could bottle it. Might get a little slimy, but oh no! Oh well, I don't think um, that would turn the Q-tip the proper color. No, it wouldn't. But uh, if you used a, for example, a paste polish or something like that, you don't want to leave that on someone's uh, bakelite or jewelry, no. whether it's uh, whether it's genuine or not. You want right. to clean of it off, and Soap that's and water. Yeah, if, unless you're carrying some another kind of cleaning spray with you, which, which reminds me, I had a thought uh, in the past few days about uh, my picking kit. Do you carry any kind of picking uh, tools or paraphernalia with you when you go out picking? Besides, um, I keep rubber gloves in my car mm-hmm. in case right. I need those, and of course I have bubble wrap and and bags, but magnifying glass mm-hmm. I like to carry with me and that's pretty basic a measuring tape right I have in my purse yeah those, those are all good the things that I look at I usually uh, I started in the business doing antique furniture mm-hmm. so I'd carry all the things you need to inspect antique furniture like magnets uh, to check screws and hardware you know to determine whether they're they're all brass or they're all steel or, you know, what they're made of. You can tell with a magnet. With artwork, I carry a, a black light and one of those black light uh, yes. fluorescent lights because it will help show areas that have been painted over or touched up. A black light. I did not know that. I know it comes in handy for the hotel room. It does. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be doing that. Yeah. You go, I want my money back. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm aware of that trick. But yeah, a jeweler's loop, a magnifying glass. And I like you, you carry uh, rubber gloves, but I, I do the gloves. And I also carry a dust mask and oh. uh, some hand sanitizer. Because I'll tell yeah. you, some of these places you go into are just gross. And especially, especially when I was sorting through... Uh, uh, estates preparing to have an estate tag sale or something mm-hmm. like that. Oh man, the, you know the it's it's scary what you can find under sofa cushions and behind chairs and pieces of furniture that haven't like that. been moved in decades. So all of that too. But yeah, I was just wondering what you, what you might carry. One of the things that I carry just specifically for uh, Bakelite is the 409 cleaner and Q-tips. I'll, I'll carry that with me as well. So. Yeah, that's a good idea, especially if you're on a mission, you know, right. to to seek out Bakelite if that's your niche or, or your mission. Okay, this is a good time to take a break. So we're going to pause for a message from our sponsor. WorthPoint helps you make more money by ensuring that every sale brings the profit it should. We take the guesswork out of how much to pay and how high to price. 
The WorthPoint Price Guide lists over 500 million items, sold for prices, and photographs. 15 years of antiques and collectibles data. Put simply, WorthPoint helps you make more money. For a 7-day, seven 7-look-up seven free trial, go to worthpoint.com. And we're back. Yours truly, Wayne Jordan and Dana Crawford. And we're talking about vintage Bakelite. Yeah, there's so much out there now that is uh, fake. Right. Uh, the, the term for it is fake-a-lite. <laughs> it's, and it's, it's a plastic that's made to look like Bakelite. And the process, it, it, it's just not the same. You can put Bakelite under the broad umbrella of plastics, but it's a thermal setting resin. And unlike plastic, if you take, for example, a plastic bracelet and throw it in a pot, you can melt it. If it doesn't catch on fire first, it will melt. But you can't do that with Bakelite. I mean, it's it's stable. It's solid. That's why they use it for electrical insulators and, and so on. That were the very first uses for Bakelite. But it's a completely different product than plastic. And it's it's made differently. For either the jewelry and, and things that are made of Bakelite are not made in molds. If you take, well, I guess the best way to describe this, if imagine plastic is jello and you put the packet of jello in the water and you stir it up and you heat it to the right temperature and then you let it cool down and you pour it into a mold and you put it in the fridge. Hours later, you take it out of the mold and it's the shape of the mold. And that's what it is with most plastic. Most plastics are molded or injected or something like that. Mm -hmm. But Bakelite is what's called extruded, and it's a different process. Well, the best way to describe the extrusion process is like a tube of toothpaste. The toothpaste inside the tube is just, you know, big blob of toothpaste. But as you squeeze the tube and it comes out the end, it comes out uh, in the shape of, of the end. It will come out round and straight. If the tip were square, it would come out square or star-shaped. Uh, if there was a pin in the center of the hole, it would come out so where when you extruded it, it would have a hole in it. And that's the way that, that Bakelite is made. It's extruded, and it's made in big sections. And then what they do is they slice it like a loaf oh. of bread into the right size things. And then the pieces are taken uh, and they're uh, polished and shaped and made. But if, for example, if it was a round bracelet or an octagonal bracelet, it would come out round or octagonal with a, with a big opening in the center like a bracelet. And then the, the workers would uh, hand finish it or carve it or uh, embellish it, put clasps or something like that on it with little screws uh, so it's a completely different process. It's a lot more handwork in Bakelite jewelry than in plastic or common costume jewelry. And that's one of the giveaways uh, with identifying Bakelite. If you see tooling marks in an inconspicuous spot, mm -hmm. then that will show you that it's been handworked. If you see a seam anywhere, mm -hmm. a seam is an indication of a mold. Okay. Uh, so that's not Bakelite. 
Another thing is that when Bakelite is exposed to sunlight and to air, it develops a patina on the outside and the color starts to change slightly. But if you look in uh, areas that are not open to sunlight, like the outside of a bracelet or the back of an earring or a brooch or something, uh, it will be a different color. And that's a, a good indication that it, you might be looking at Bakelite. At that point, the thing to do is to heat it up, rub it with your finger or run it under hot water or do something to create some heat on it and smell it. And if it smells acrid or like formaldehyde or something like that, then chances are good that it, it is genuine Bakelite. Yeah, that's interesting. I I was wondering, because I know, so you can rub it and then right. smell it. And then right. you're telling me if I find a bracelet and it has a seam been snapped together, then it's not Bakelite. When, when you do a mold, to get something out of the mold, you have to open the mold. Right. So it's like right. two pieces of the mold would come together. Where the two pieces come together is some sort of seam. Okay. Now, it's usually, you know, smoothed and rounded and that sort of thing. So it doesn't really have anything to do with where it might clip together. But the fashion, if it does clip, the fashion in which it clips is important because in a molded piece of jewelry, clips and the clasps and the things that you put on jewelry to adorn it can be molded. They can be glued. There's lots of ways to put them on. Sure. But with Bakelite, they're going to be screwed on or oh, okay. put in with little pins or nails yeah. or something like that. They're they're put on by hand. Yes. Uh, and that's that's a good identifier as to whether or not it's authentic or not. Yeah, that's a good point because a lot of times I'll find a purse with the Bakelite handle. Mm -hmm. And so I think handles were popular for a while too. Very much so, yeah. On pots and pans, my coffee set is a good example of that. And they come in different colors as well. You can Initially, most Bakelite was either dark brown or black because sure. of the substance they were, they would use fillers with it when they made it. It was usually yeah. some kind of uh, wood powder or flour or something to, yeah. to act as a thickener. And, but after a while, they got to the point where they could make it in bright colors, orange and red. Yeah. Green, blue, whatever they wanted to do. Yeah, it has like an, a cool, like a marble look. Right, exactly. Yeah. Some of it. I've seen it also on shaving brushes, mm -hmm. on the vintage shaving brushes, the shaving kits, and mm -hmm. um, also uh, knives, on knife handles. Yeah, knives and um, cigarette holders. <laughs> you can find it in cigarette holders and pipes, and uh, lots lots of uses, uh, pins, uh, brooches, all kinds of jewelry. Jewelry was, was very yeah. popular. Vintage Bakelite was used for things like uh, napkin rings and pencil sharpeners and handles on gadgets and tools. And, of course, all of the things that were the ways that we're discussing testing to see if it actually is Bakelite. Uh, you can use those same tests on anything. It doesn't matter how the item is shaped or what it's attached to. All of these ways of testing will work. I even found um, a turquoise 1950s Bakelite 
camera. Right. Yeah, uh, cameras and uh, was it the Brownie, the Kodak Brownie camera, I think had Bakelite cases. Telephones. Telephones. Yeah, telephones used to be made out of Bakelite. I mean, it was just, it was a great, great material. It did not conduct electricity. It was stable. It was just used everywhere. It was easy to work with. It was uh, cheaper than injection molded plastics. It was just all around wonderful. There's a science fiction novel called The Astronaut, or The Astronaut. It was by a a writer named Stanislav Lem. And uh, in, in this book, the astronaut Robert Smith lands on Venus and he looks over the landscape and it seems to be a chocolate brown color. So he takes out his knife and chips off a big piece of the surface, and it was Bakelite. Uh So that gives you an idea of how pervasive Bakelite was in the the 50s, mid-centuries. That is sci-fi. It is (laughs) sci-fi. Oh, my goodness. So when I did a search for what is Bakelite used for today, I've got Bakelite still has some of its classic applications in automotive and electrical products, but the material is also used in space shuttles. Wow. That's interesting. Hmm. I didn't know it was still being made, to be honest with you. Used in all kinds of things. Pistol grips, hand guards, buttstock of firearms. Radios. Radios. Buttons, military uniforms, and civilian clothing. Wartime equipment, including pilots' goggles and field telephones. Here's some other things. Um, Precision-shaped components, molded disc brake cylinders, saucepan handles, electrical plugs, switches and parts for electrical irons, board and tabletop games produced in China, Hong Kong, and India, billiard balls, dominoes, Pieces for board games such as chess, checkers, and backgammon. On and on and on. Common dice for the weight and sound. I have to keep that in mind uh, next time I'm in Vegas, which would be the only time I've ever been to Vegas. (laughs) Well, I just read, it will not burn, it will not melt, was written on the front page of the Time magazine in September 1924. Interesting in reading, of course, the the guy that invented Bakelite, his name was uh, Bakeland, B-A-E-K. Oh. He wasn't the only one experimenting with this particular combination of chemicals. There were guys in other countries doing it. But no one was successful with it because when they heated the material to the point where it would set and then opened up the container that they were heating it in, they couldn't get it out. It was stuck permanently. There was no way to remove it. So what Bakelin did was he invented a thing. It's called it a bakelizer, but it looks like a small cement mixer. Oh, yes. And he turned it into a pressure cooker because one of the things that happens is you would make Bakelite is it would foam, and then the foam would harden, but you can't really use the foam. But it would harden. It would be part of it, and you couldn't really get rid of it. So you had to figure out a way to get it, stop it from foaming. And he did that by creating this uh, device, essentially a pressure cooker. And that's what made the 
producing the, the product successful was, was that approach. But there are other, other than Bakelite brand, there were other brands of the same material being sold at that time. Yeah, there was a, a product called Catalin, C-A-T-A-L-I-N, that made what's essentially Bakelite in a lot of stock shapes like diamonds and cylinders and buckles and buttons and things like that. And it would be extruded in long tubes and sent to manufacturers of jewelry or buttons or whatever who would then uh, cut it up and finish it into the final product. But uh, Bakelite and Catalan didn't make the final product. They just supplied the basic material. Huh, interesting. Kitty Clock is telling me that it's time to wrap it up and go. Uh, it, I like this. Uh, I like Bakelite. I'm going to go in and, and, and take a dust cloth and clean off my coffee set and just appreciate the beauty of the, the handles and the chrome. Anyway, that's it. Thanks, okay. uh, Dana. It's been nice, and uh, I will see you next week. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint.com, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint.com.